Hello, my name is David Weiss. Welcome to Up North Bonesai. This podcast is a chance for me to talk to and learn from bonsai enthusiasts from all around the Upper Midwest. We all know there are amazing bonsai professionals who have set up shop mostly near the coast. Those of us living in the Upper Midwest need to adjust what we learn from those professionals in our colder climates. We have a shorter growing season in the Upper Midwest, and as we all know, our climate is always changing. I believe there is a lot we can learn from each other about how to create beautiful bonsai in North Country. My goal is to help others enhance their bonsai journey in their microclimate. For me, bonsai is all about the journey. I'm a firm believer in lifelong learning and hope this podcast can spread good information to those just getting into the hobby. This podcast covers bonsai enthusiasts in the upper Midwest from people living in zones 3, 4, and 5, including my home state of Minnesota, the Dakotas, Wisconsin, Michigan, Illinois, and Iowa. I've also ventured to Canada. Join me now as we head up north and talk bonsai. On today's show, we head to Grand Rapids, Michigan to meet the president of the West Michigan Bonsai Society, Tim Cox. Tim began his journey about 2002. He shared with me how finances and Andy Smith kind of helped set his early bonsai journey. I also asked him about what seems to be an interest in mainly bigger trees. I'm very curious to know where all this started from. How did bonsai get going for you? Well, I was always a gardener. Okay. And in, uh, when, in my 30s, I fell and broke a kneecap, which means you don't get on your knees very easily thereafter. And so I bounced around and, you know, young married with kids. I went to a, um, a we took our daughter who lives in Chicago, she was back visiting, to uh, Butterflies Are Blooming at Frederick Meyer Gardens and Sculpture Park. And down the hall, there was a bonsai show. And I'd always been a little kind of tangentially interested. We walked down and talked. There was a vendor there from Chicago. And so my wife and he were talking about Chicago. And she, she said something to the effect of, gee, I wish you were in Grand Rapids. I'd like to buy my dad some, some uh, bonsai lessons for Father's Day. And uh, he said, well, you know, my student, who's standing right here, is going to start teaching some classes in a couple weeks. And she hooked me up, and it's been a fun ride ever since. You know, did you just jump in with both feet? Did it take a couple years? No, it took me a while. Uh, that was in uh, 2002, I think. And, um, you know, I kept doing stuff with uh, small trees and nursery trees. And um, 2008 was really difficult for me financially. And so, you know, I had to watch every penny, and I couldn't go out and buy a $500 tree. So at some point in there, I took a, I took a workshop at West Michigan Bonsai Club with Andy Smith. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, having lived in South Dakota uh, in the 70s, I started talking to Andy as a South Dakota native. I wasn't really native. I was there three years. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, I said sort of boldly, hey, Andy, I hear sometimes you'll, uh, you'll host somebody on a gathering trip. 
and he was evasive, as I think he should be. I mean, there's a million people that want to go out there and gather with him. Absolutely. So we corresponded over about a six-month period, and he finally invited me to come out. He said something to the effect of, you know, I had to determine that your attitude and your heart is right. Yeah. And that's Andy, man, and I love him for it. So my son and I, the next spring, um, we went to the, the Meyer Garden Spring Show, Mother's Day weekend, and the next week we took off for South Dakota. And uh, I, had, uh, I had done side work to raise some money. I had, you know, I'd done everything I could to uh, make this trip a success. And so we went out and spent two days. Yeah. So Andy makes you uh, get permits. He gathers on national forest land mainly, at mm-hmm. least in South Dakota. I think mm-hmm. he gathers on some uh, BLM land, and but anyway, he, he he's a very uh, ethical guy, and uh, he said, well, you know, I got there, we called him, we hadn't seen him yet. He said, you need to go to the the ranger station, and uh, so we did. And I I walked in, told him what I wanted, and they said, well, how many do you want? I said, how many? How many? T- tell me what the deal is. Five dollars a permit. And you can get 10 in a year. Okay. So there's my son, 10, me, 10. We had 20 gathering permits. Wow. I think Andy was a little stunned. <laughs> and, and, and I had worked out a price with him that, you know, I said to him, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this, but you, I really want, I don't want you to do this for free or even at a huge discount. Well, right. I think he did it at a pretty good discount, but he said he would gather for himself too. Okay. So my son was like, he's going to get all the good trees. We're going to sloppy seconds. 20 minutes into the, to the, to the gather, we were cool. It's just that, it's just that, that way. Yeah. And this tree is one of the ones we got. And he said early on, he said, I, you know, I, I think I know where this, this tree I want you guys to have. If it's, if I can find it again, I'm pretty sure, you know, we'll look for it. And at the end of the first day we gathered this tree and, uh, by then we were we were buds, and he taught us to how to how to prepare the roots and and wrap them in burlap yeah. and tie them tight. Yeah. And you know these trees aren't very heavy when there's no soil on them mm-hmm. or no pot with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So you know we'd strap them to a backpack. Yeah. And uh, the one thing he did say was we're gathering legally without any problems at all. Yeah. But if we run into the wrong people who see us carrying trees on our backpack, yeah. And they complain, you know, the Forest Service is, is really attuned to that as well. Sure. So as we went out this trail, we'd gather one and we'd hide it. And we'd gather another and we'd hide it. And we'd gather them up on the way back. Yeah. And uh, everything worked out just fine. That's so awesome. um, it, it rained both days we were there. Mm-hmm. We had full rain gear. It was a sloppy mess. <laughs> but it was wonderful for gathering because they're, they're wet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Andy sure. took Andy took uh, the first day to his house and sprayed them because uh, I think he used pyrethrum. Okay. And uh, we did the second day and came back with 19 trees. Wow. And that's uh, a lot of work. Yeah. That's <laughs> a lot of work. So that's I had, what I've been told. So I had to quickly come back and build wooden boxes for all of them. Yeah. I think I had a couple in in pots that were small, but most most of them were really big. Yeah. And uh, you know that was 2012 and. Here we are today. Here we are. And you're doing some work on it today. Yeah, we took a big branch off. And yeah. uh, I mean a big branch. And it did take a little bit of time to consider that. And, uh, but it's been a good move. So yeah. this, one, this one, I entered it into the, um, well, I got needle cast 
for a couple years and I had to really work to get rid of it, you really need to let the needles evolve and drop because you, you get rid of the disease, but you don't really heal the needles. Okay. You know, they've got to, they've got to do what they're going to do and, and drop. So okay. last year the tree was in really good shape. I entered it into the, uh, to the show in Chicago. Um, my wife and I were staying at a, at a motel. I went to pick her up the next morning and came back and there was a funny sense. A lot of people there know me. Andy was there and people were just being odd and we walked around the corner and here it is in the Tokonama with the best of show on it. Really? It was a, it was uh, I'm not a big emotional guy, but it it oh, just bet. it just killed me. Yeah. I loved it. This was last year. Last year. Fantastic. Congrats on that. And then in the professional category, this gentleman named Andy Smith won the professional category. So our trees were displayed in a tokenama with side by side, professional and and open. What a fun full circle moment there. Well, it gets even better. So he tells me that two weeks after we were there gathering, he went back to the same area and gathered this other tree. Same area of the Black Hills. And he said, yeah, they're probably cousins. <laughs> they are related. <laughs> they're related. And you were, oh, that is fantastic. So it was, it was pretty fun. That is pretty fun. Because of that big tree fairly early on, and you have those big trees, is that kind of where your passion lies? I mean, you have a, you have a, a little variety over there for sure in the yard, but uh, what do you like? What, what, are, what are your trees that really move you? Or are you one of the persons who says, oh, I like them all? I do like them all. Um, <laughs> and I trade around in trees. Okay. Um, on the way to Chicago last year with this tree, by the way, I, don't, I can't transport this in my vehicle. <laughs> I borrowed a van from a friend for the weekend to take to, this to Chicago. To, yeah. On the way to Chicago, my wife and I talked about selling this tree. And, you know, it's like, what's it going to, I'm going to pare down my collection, so which ones do we want to get rid of and mm -hmm. which ones do we not? Mm -hmm. So we named this Big Boy. So we, we had a big discussion about this. Well, we don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I want to say the pot yeah. uh, is a Ron Lang pot. Ron Lang's a potter who was, uh, he and his wife both were um, professors in the ceramics department at Penn State U. And he made, he's well known, uh, but he retired last year. Okay. So I like it even better. Yeah. But he and I designed the thing on the phone. Really? He was a wizard. We talked about things like, first of all, size. Right. And once you get the size figured out, then, you know, the shape of this side. Sure. Do, do we want it straight? Do we want it curved? Do we want it bowed out? Right. Do we want it bowed in? Yeah. What do we do with, it, with this? What do we do with this? Yeah. What do we do with this? Look at that. How about this line down here? And all of those things just fell into, into place. And then we talked about what are we going to do in terms of color? And traditionally, you know, uh, these have, uh, evergreens have, or conifers have unglazed. Unglazed pots. And uh, he said, well, I won't make it real shiny, but I don't, I don't think if you like, I didn't like his, the color of his clay body. Okay. And he said, if you know, if you want, we can we can put some color on that and very little glaze, very little bright finish. Right. And I did, and I've had some people who were like, Ugh. but I also had the the uh, guest master at Chicago last year go, that is a fabulous combination. Yeah. So, and I've always felt like it's a fabulous combination. You you have to have a little bit of thick skin in bonsai because you're you do. Have 15 different opinions. You do. 15 people looking at the tree and pot, right? You do. It's beautiful. So there, so there's where I am. Yeah, and I, I kind of like quirky stuff. I kind of like, um, but I like it all. Yeah.
Like I've asked many other Bonsai enthusiasts, I asked him about his microclimate there in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and opened up the soil debate. Tell yeah, us about we, your microclimate. What, what happens here in your yard in Michigan? Here? Well, I grow in the sun. I don't have any shade to speak of. I have a little bit along this fence over here, but it's, it's very little. Yeah. And I'm planning to put some shade in, mm -hmm. and I've been a little careful not to get those things that are uh, not able to grow in full sun. So I get strong sun. I took out a couple trees when I bought the house. Mm -hmm. I put up a fence. Mm -hmm. I made sure it's, it's sunny. Now on a day like today, it's hot and humid. We have a fair amount of humidity in Michigan, mm -hmm. so, so I see that as a challenge. Mm -hmm. This year I had to fight fungus just hard, mm -hmm. but I won, <laughs> <You know? laughs> thanks to modern chemicals. Yeah. Um, so, I, and I water daily, religiously. I, um, if it's 90 or above, I water twice a day, and uh, I use a really porous soil, as you can see on this mm -hmm. one. We, we repotted this this year. Mm -hmm. um, but so, so I've got this real uh, free draining soil, and so I can really pour the water on, yeah. and it, I believe it pulls oxygen in the roots, yeah. and that's really good for them. Yeah. I noticed with a lot of your, your pots and your trees, regardless of size, you have a, a smaller size soil is, is yes. than what I'm used to seeing. Yes. Tell me more about the size. I mean, we're jumping to soil here, which is a huge jump in the well topic, but you're using smaller, and tell me about your soil mixture here. So I'm not, I'm not here to, to, to promote my soil, because you know what, that, uh, we'll, get, we'll get people today we'll arguing be in trouble. with this. Yeah, but I use what I have. Yeah. I, I learned from somebody who, uh, I don't use Akadama. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I use some pumice. Mm -hmm. uh, but my basic soil mix is uh, a whole lot of turfus that's sifted. I would take all the fines out. Mm -hmm. um, I have two, two sizes, but I use what I have. Yeah. The, the finer stuff, that's probably, I didn't have any big stuff on hand and I needed it. <laughs> I, I'm, not a, I, I'm not fussy about soil. and yeah. You have to learn to use soil. And once you do, Walter Paul said, you need to understand your substrate and go with it. Sure. So I think that if I, you know how your substrate is draining and, and right. uh, retaining water or what oxygen right. is going in there, you're going to be fine just so you know what you're doing with that soil. So I use I use turfus. I use a little bit of uh, crushed granite. Sure. It's, it's chicken grit. Yeah. Easily obtainable. Yeah. And then some um, on most of the conifers, I use a little bit of organic stuff. And this is this is um, Australia or New Zealand orchid bark. Orchid it's, bark. It's okay. Orchiata, the smallest you can get. Okay. And it's already it's already sifted. Yeah. And it's perfect stuff. But Work it's smarter, expensive. Not harder. But it's expensive. You're paying for it. Yeah. So you know, and I don't yeah. use equal parts of those. I use primarily turfus. Summer solstice. Tim says there's not much happening in the summer. We did talk about what his fertilizing looks like and some of the fungus issues he's had to deal with this past summer. So you can get hot here in Michigan, you get humid here, you've been dealing with fungus this year. So is summer then just all about the water game for you here? I think so. Well, and the other thing is, I fertilize my trees like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. You know, every week something goes on them. I, because, you know, my water flushes it out. Yeah, it does. So I just pour it on. Are Mostly using, organic, but yeah. you know, organic I, granules. Are you using pellets? Are you watering? No, I, I, use, I use fish oil emulsion. Yeah. A couple different parts of fish oil emulsion, 
but this summer I used granular osmocote. Okay. And you know you've got to be a, you got to be a little bit aware of the of the weather mm-hmm. if you're using some of those granular things because they could burn a bit. Sure. But sure. if if you th- if you're afraid of it, water the heck out of them, and then you, it's not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Watering is when we when we do workshops through MBS, the the, the questions and the challenge with watering is just always at the top of the list and how are yeah. these guy, guys and gals going to keep these trees alive? Well, I find year? like online, if you read any of the forums, people get nuts about, about soil Yeah. and it's the most important thing, but it's also the easiest. You just kind of figure it, figure out right. what you need to do. This, yeah. this should have been watered this morning already, but we'll do it in a bit. We'll, we'll get in a bit. That's right. Yeah. I wouldn't let it go into the afternoon because yeah. of the heat, but so watering once a day for sure on the hot days you're doing twice a day so then what now you're doing work here on this pine literally there's shavings below me you've been yeah we did pine. what do you do in the summer for work on your trees not much yeah try to do most i i repotted two-thirds of my bonsai this year mm-hmm. just because i had been lazy and let it let it slide and um, um it shows you i mean they're just root bound as heck pot bound as heck sure and uh so that's a spring activity I start with larches, and you in Minnesota understand that. Around here, the common knowledge is you do your larches when there's still snow on the ground, <laughs> and it's true. If yeah. you if you if you pot them much later, you're in danger. Yeah. So, if you do summer work, what are you limiting yourself to? I mean, if you are you doing it just because you have to because you're nope. falling behind, or what do you what what I'd, can you do safely in the summer? I did this yesterday because one of my mentors was here. Yeah. And he and I have because of the the Jack Reichel bonsai legacy stuff this spring, it's been really hard for me to connect with people I work with. Sure. And I, I, I do some work on my own, but I love it when I've got somebody there. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I want you to come over and help me take this branch off. I've been thinking about it for a long time. Yeah. And he hands me the... He hands me the tools and says, Go for you're it. going to take it off, yeah. but let's talk about it. And you're under a tent. It's sitting here. You're going to keep it in the shade for a while because you worked nah. on it or put it right back nah. out there? No, nah, this, is, this is a pretty robust tree. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have to put this one in for winter storage. You know, ponderosas yeah. can take it. Ponderosas can But do I do. But do I do. By the way, my, my wife says we should. Babies. My wife says we should. <laughs> and there you go. So limited work in the summer, keeping it watered and take care of. And you fertilize all the time, it sounds like. Yeah, year usually, round. usually once a week. Uh, when I go into winter storage, I'm pretty much done with yeah. fertilization. For, and by the way, I built, a, I built a porch for my winter, my winter storage. Winter storage is in there. Yeah. yeah. The, right. the electrician on this project, I had, a, I had a porch and I used it, but it was just an awful thing, add-on. Yeah. When we bought the house, we knew we were going to have to replace it. So uh, we took it completely off and built something that looked like the rest of the house. And uh, the electrician on the project was kind of fascinated by the bonsai, and he goes, you built this room just for these trees? <laughs> Darn and, right, I and, I, and I've never said yes, but that's, of course, the answer. <laughs> Absolutely. We talked about fungus before because of humidity. Any pests you're dealing with in Michigan? I pretty much, I'm, I'm routine in, in pest um, treatment. I use, uh, I can't. Subdue, I think Subdue Max. Okay. And I and there it's a soak. And a tree like this, I, I pour water onto it. But yeah. many of them, I put it in a big tub yeah. and soak them, put them put them out, and it's been very uh, successful. Sure. It's an expensive thing, but my gosh, if you buy a bottle and you got 40 trees, you probably will 
use it the rest of your life. Really? Okay. You know, it's yeah. it's a quart and it takes 20 drops per gallon. Okay. You know, it's going to be there for a while. It's going to be there for a while. Awesome. So you've been able to keep, keep the pest in check? Yeah, I haven't what had. The, what's the worst you see here in Michigan or you've seen on your trees? Well, we had tent caterpillars last year on on a apple tree I've got and they were all over the bonsai. Really? But they didn't it seemed to I think they they didn't like them enough. I think they munched a little bit and died, <laughs> you know. Fall Equinox. In the fall, Tim likes to work with others in workshops. He says he does a bit of wiring work and makes sure he's fertilizing to set up the trees for the next spring. The heat of the summer starts to go away and what uh, what's your routine in fall here? What do you gotta do to your trees? What's if next? I can do I can do a fair amount of styling when they get when it gets much cooler and they slow down. Right. And I do sometimes I like to work through workshops. I go to Chicago sometimes and work with Todd Schlafer or yeah, whoever, who, whomever's in the area. Yeah. Spend a day with them, take a favorite tree or two. Yeah. And do extensive wiring, pruning, yeah. all of that. Uh, they seem to, they seem to work real well that way. I can also do that in early spring. Mm -hmm. And you have more conifers than deciduous. And you're well, a conifer guy. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really. That wasn't a conscious decision, mm -hmm. but. Um, I'm, I'm seriously going to add some shade before the summer's over, and then I might get back into some deciduous. Sure. But I've been stung by the by the, the maple thing. You know, I'm tired of trimming maples every three days. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It is. <laughs> yeah, you have more mature, refined trees than I do, so you, you got your work cut out for you. I'm still developing and let them shoot and run out and thicken up trunks and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Very good. Um, so a lot of wiring, a lot of work in the fall. Um, still fertilizing through fall, right? Kind yeah, of set that set that I, motion for spring. I cut my uh, I cut my nitrogen content of the fertilizer back. Okay. But this this thing is dripping sap. Yeah. As we talk. Yeah, I, I, I saw a couple of drips here. It'll quit eventually, but that <laughs> that's an interesting phenomenon. Yeah, that's what makes me nervous about summer with pine that it's just going to flow like crazy. Um, but it's all right. There's a couple techniques, but yeah, he's he's a healthy boy. We're okay. Yeah, there you go. And that's what as we all say in the beginning too. Work on a healthy tree. So if you got a yep. healthy tree, you're in good shape. Yep. And the recovery is going to be that much better. Winter solstice. Tim shares what trees he brings into the new addition to his house versus which ones stay outside. He has a nice new three-season porch to keep his trees that need protection in. We talk about conditions in the cold frame, or his porch, and the question of lights. So you have this built-on, is it a three-season porch then? Yes. You keep it cool, it's un, right? It's so, un, unheated. So so what is your winter then? You got winter store, every tree goes in there? Not every tree. I do leave some of the some of the really hardy stuff out. I have a, a niche on the other side of the porch that gets me out of the wind because wind seems to be the biggest issue more than cold. Yeah. You know, it, we don't see much sub-zero here. We do see a little. But sure. And it's out of direct sun over there too then? Uh, it gets a little bit. But, Does it? But, but most, not mostly. Yeah, not enough to worry. So I can put a dozen big trees over there if I want. Um, but the things I want to protect, I have, well, like this bench. I move benches inside and mm -hmm. I've got a, a, a metal rack that I use and I can water them there and I... Yeah. Got a way to keep the water off the floor, and you know it's uh, if if it gets low, I have a 
uh, ceramic heater with a rheostat, mm -hmm. and it'll come on at about 28, and mm -hmm. it goes off at about 45. Yeah. And I would imagine you're not having a lot of humidity issues in that big space? Heck no. Yeah. You got good control over that. Well, and what I did was, on this side there are big windows, but on the other side there are little windows high, okay. and all I have to do is get a cross flow and I can You're, I can really vent that thing quickly. Yeah, any fans inside? I or have just... a ceiling fan. Okay. And I run it all winter. Yeah. Non-stop? Yep. Yeah. Keeping that air flowing. And then how, how often do you, do you have to water in this kind of a cold frame addition to your yeah, house? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I think you really need to water at least once a month and I probably do more than I should. Yeah. But again, I'm back to soil, and it doesn't hold it so much, so I don't worry about it becoming really mushy, wet. Yeah. Any other things in your cold frame that you know? What What would you tell someone that's important about winter storage and winter care? I mean, what What do you really? I don't have any light. On? I have. Okay. I, give me I, your Give me your light philosophy. Well, I don't think they need it. I, we have light. I don't have any direct sun. I don't have any. I have, I have blinds in the in the grow room and yeah. you know I just keep everything it's been dark for years but more and more people are putting lights on what, not what, me. what's that all about you don't you don't not me don't need it why, why bother well it I'm very pragmatic I haven't haven't felt the need mm -hmm. to investigate that because they do very well without so I just don't yeah yeah just like soil there's always a debate about something yeah. To light or to not to light. Well, yeah. and I don't like to debate anybody. If, if, if something works for you, go for it. Sure. I know what works for me. Yeah. Now, yeah, this is a completely is, different sub, different species of tree, but in the tropical world or the succulent world, the people that work on and I have some PAs as well, some Portulac areas, and I've been talking to a couple of my members, and he's like, indoors, Dave, with this artificial light six inches from these trees, they grow better in the winter than they do outside in the summer in Minnesota. Oh, I would think, I would think that's, that would be the case here. I don't grow tropicals. Yeah. I have a bougainvillea over here because my wife and I were at a, were at a greenhouse and she saw it and I bought it for her and, there you go. and, and it's like, well, let's just put it in a bonsai pot. Well, let's just, you know, I'll take care of it. <laughs> and, and guess what? So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's actually in bloom now, so she likes it a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Popular trees right. for sure. Spring Equinox. Just before I started asking Tim about his spring bonsai season, we did start to chat about watering a little and some repotting, and then some thoughts on the bonsai shuffle. So tell me, my fear for my own trees is that I have been overwatering and I have very free draining soil, but in the winter you mean? In time well, all year. I mean okay. you know, and I I'm watering once a day in Minnesota as well, sometimes twice a day, and we, we had 102 or four weeks ago, and we've been yeah. in the 90s when we left here, but humid. Um, but in time in the pot, if it's been in the pot for a couple of years and the soil starts to break down... Repot it. It's going to have to repot it to have better drainage, right? Yeah. So, okay, let, let me go right to that question, then. There seems to be a little bit of chatter lately in my circle of bonsai folks that perhaps we repot too often. So we haven't hit spring yet, but, but your success or your philosophy on repotting trees, how often and why? I know this is a mature, much more mature refined tree, but, but talk about repotting then, because I don't want to repot every year for some trees. Cause it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenge, and I, you know, I read and I listen, and maybe more than I should, but um, this tree's been repotted three times since 2014, most recently this year in the spring. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, man, it didn't. It didn't pause. It was. I saw bud growth. You know, mm -hmm. extension of candles. It was just. Uh, it was the right thing to do, and it was very tight in the pot. Yeah. 
but you know that's the way they grow yeah. when you when you get them off the off the rock ledges or the rock pockets right so, yeah that that's the way they are so um, uh, as far as other species I, I'm no expert about yeah. when to, when to repot yeah. and I'm sure I've made mistakes but for the most part two to three years yeah because I have a couple of boxwoods that are just small and, and but fun little trees, and this year I'm having amazing growth on the foliage of my boxwood. Yeah. But the roots on a boxwood, I mean, I just have a garden variety uh, nursery boxwood, but the roots are out of this world growth. So I mean, I think I have to repot that yeah. more. Oh my gosh, they grow. Well, there's certainly there's certainly trees I think you have to do every year. Yeah. Um, maples may may be. Yeah. Uh, boxwood could be. I don't grow boxwood, so I yes. don't know. Yeah. I, I killed a boxwood earlier in my bonsai uh, journey, and uh, you know. And that was that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might get back to them one day. <laughs> um, springtime. Right out of the gate, spring seems to be the busiest season for everybody in bonsai. And I've heard other people talk about other seasons being just as busy, but you just repotted what do you say a third or two thirds of your trees this year? Uh, spring in Michigan for you to keep your trees strong and healthy. We just talked about repotting. What does a successful spring look like for you? As soon as the sun's out, you take your bonsai into the yard, and usually that night you put them up. <laughs> it's bonsai called the bonsai shuffle. shuffle. <laughs> and and you know it sounds funny, but you got to do it. Now this and year, why do you have to do this it? This year I push things. Well, okay. because it, because they frost, and you don't want to lose your new buds. But why get them out so early then? Why not just wait a couple more weeks? I think it's better for the trees. You know, they're feeling the fact that it's spring. Even though I don't have much direct sun on my porch, they're feeling but, but it. They know it's, it's the time. length of the day. Yeah. And um, I just think it's so much better. Now, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of my friends in Michigan use greenhouses. And they use greenhouses and they put them out there and they don't have to worry. Yeah. And they're real early and I think they get a whole lot more growth out of it. For sure. I don't have a lot of room for a greenhouse here, although yeah. I'm certainly considering it. But, you know. Yeah. So get them out as early as possible because it's just that much better for the tree. Yeah. But you've got to play the shuffle because you can't let them. You got them. you. you uh, I don't mind. Um, I don't mind cold temperature. I don't mind a little light frost. Mm -hmm. But you can't always you can't always listen to the weather person. Right. You know you got to be really pretty careful. Well, again, in your microclimate yeah. compared to the other suburb yeah. on the other side of for me the metro. Yeah. I have found that I I don't get nearly as cold here as as. Mm -hmm as the TV news weather yep. says. Sure. Um, so I can be a little more lax. Yeah. Is there something to be said for the temperature extremes and what are you trying to avoid with temperature extremes? Because you are just moving things around and it, the tree's like, because the joke about ficus often is, you know, ficus, you move it from a, a window in your house here to this side of your house, the drops leaves are all going to fall off. Drops all the leaves, yeah. So, so like when you're taking these trees in and out, like are we not creating some stress or you know, tell me more? Well, I think I think you're right. Early, early on, um, I bought my supplies, fertilizers, and, and some soil from a from a grow store that uh, sold to people who uh, grow ca cannabis. Yeah. And the guy who owned the place was was really he's he's Mr. Natural, and he said to me, you know, these trees in nature freeze sometimes, uh, and it's part of their cycle, and you really need to pay attention to that. And I think that has stretched my idea about how much they can take mm -hmm. and it may be good for them sure so sure. i don't know I mean, I mean you could go to you could go to things like controlled burns and prairies and you know i think this is all somewhat interrelated sure that Na nature does 
a lot more severe uh, brings in a lot more severity than we sometimes do right and you got to pay attention to that yeah for sure so i take them out early i sometimes leave them out overnight and the next morning go oh did i do the wrong thing but i haven't really had a major failure so yeah good so spring care then you're repotting and uh, are you doing any again some preventatives with for the insects or preventatives for fungus or what are you doing in that in that realm well, i haven't i haven't been as active as i should about fungus i think that's why i got it this year and <laughs> you know i hate to i hate to just dump tons of, of pretty toxic stuff mm. but jack sustick former curator of the national bonsai and Penjing museum said to me this spring you, if you have trees at this level, you don't have a choice. And he's right. So I have a, you know, a mask and goggles and gloves and a whole suit, and you know, I do my part. Yeah. And the fungus seems to be gone. Gone. Yeah, I think I had some fungus issues this year as well, and I don't have any of the. I've never lost big trees. Yet. Yeah. And I lost two this year. Two of them. Wow. Yeah. And uh, that's just heartbreaking. I mean, people joke about them being our kids, but they are. Yeah, absolutely they are. And, and a lot of money for a lot of people if they're getting big trees at auction. And like you said, when you're getting some of these trees from some of the people out there, that's a lot of investment. A lot yeah, of yeah, it is. And then you've got so much time in them. Yeah. After we wrapped up the talk of the four seasons of Bonsai, I asked him about those varying opinions from professionals his thoughts on bonsai clubs, and he gives us the lowdown on the Jack Weichel auction that he had recently finished just days before I sat down with him. Yeah. I mean, it took me three months to decide to take this branch off, <laughs> literally. Yeah, three months of, of hemming and hawing, huh? Yeah, Maruo Stimberger was the guest artist at our show this year. Okay. And of course, this one won best to show in Chicago, and I thought, oh yeah, well, we'll do real well in, at Meyer Gardens. Well, this is not the style of tree he likes as well. But during a, you know, a walkthrough critique, yeah. he looked at this and very quickly said, you know, I think it'd be balanced so much better if you take this off. Yeah. And I wrangled with it a bit. He's not, I knew he was, uh, he was onto something. He's a smart guy and yeah. he, he's got an eye for design that's way better than mine. And so I decided to do it, yeah. but it took a while. One of the things I've heard from people I've talked to with professionals or guest speakers and people coming through that can be challenging is you know you, you will get three professionals coming through looking at a tree and they'll want to do three different things to the tree so do you have any have you had any run-ins or have you had any thoughts about you know which trees you bring because you or you just totally trust who's there that day well, it doesn't mean i'm going to take uh, take their advice <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> I, mean, I did say it took me three months that's right <laughs> but you know it's um no, I never think about that. Okay. Uh, I did take a class with Maru this year. Okay. In which we we really altered a tree, but it needed it. It was a it was a difficult tree, and he made something out of it that was way nicer than I thought. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's the way it is. So let me piggyback that to a question about clubs. Then, so you just had a club meeting last night, and tell me about your club and the and the and the benefits and and what do you well how do you feel towards club activity and how that can enhance some people's bones like you know journey um i don't know about other clubs but i can talk about this one i've, yeah, been, for sure. I've been president of this club for 11 years i think 10 it must years. be a good club then well it wasn't and it was run by someone who had kind of outlived her 
her interest. Oh, sure. And, you know, a lot of people are, are, uh, are not very kind to her, but at the same time, I heard that, she, that the club, I, I was a member then, and the, I had heard her say, I've got to get away from this, I've got some health issues, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, so. And we have, a, we have a unique situation in that we meet at Frederick Meyer Gardens and Sculpture Park for free. And if we leave, and if the club folds, it would be very difficult to get back in. There's a, quite a list of horticulture clubs that want to meet there. And uh, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's been a really good relationship. So I said to a, at a picnic, you know, I'll run for president. We don't need to leave, lose this slot. Yeah. And immediately it became a, you know, a sword fight. And uh, I didn't, that wasn't my idea. But, yeah. but uh, so we, we didn't have very many members and we, we took a vote and it was tied. <laughs> and it was like, what are we gonna do? So, so they kicked us out of the, the two of us out of the room and, and uh, I'm not sure what happened, but they called us back in and said, Tim's president. There you go. And. Uh, um, so what do you like about it today? What's making it good? What, we, ha what? we had six members and we owed $300 when I took when over. When you took over, okay. I can tell you that last night we had 38 people at the, at the workshop and um, you know, our treasury's good. So, you know, and, and we're responsible, we work hard yeah. and that's really fun. It's yeah. fun to bring all these new people in and we have a lot of new people. Yeah. There are, not everybody's suited for a club situation. So some people, many I know in this town, don't attend meetings, but they'll they'll come and do a program for me. Okay. And so I think it. I think you need to really stay involved yeah. in the community. Yeah. And um, give kudos where that where you can yeah. get help where you can. Yeah. Can you tell me how? Because this is in the you know I've been a part of MBS now for six years, and how do you balance the the new folks? With the veterans and then and the, everything in between, how are you balancing that in your club to that's really, really reach everybody? That's a great question. That's hard. It is hard, that's isn't hard. it? Yeah. Well, and so I'm trying to get out of so much leadership in the club, and so we have co-presidents, yeah. and it's working pretty well. And he and I both have really complementary strengths. Okay. And uh, he's a ABS board member. It's Joe Cherko, and uh, his wife's our our treasurer. I mean it. We, we don't. We aren't encumbered by tons of uh, tons of rules, and mm -hmm. uh, we just make it work. It's mm -hmm. it's. Uh, uh, you I show did, up and make it work. Yeah, you show up and make it work. We we do a little planning a couple times a year. Yeah. We we have one more program scheduled for August, and we we really need to sit down and figure out what we're going to do in the fall. Yeah. You know, we don't we don't have it too far ahead, but we've yeah. we've been really really fortunate to get good people to present. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sounds like it. part of that is Joe's uh, circle of friends. Some of those are mine. Yeah. We just work whatever we can do. Yeah. Yeah. And that happens at MBS too. And it's the folks that have been around for that 15 year plus now that yeah. there's connections. And we, you know, we, we have Andrew Robeson come on by and do a Zoom with us or something. You know, yeah, and we have that access is fantastic. We used him during pandemic. He yeah, was very absolutely. good. Yeah, very good. We need to go back to him fall there you go <laughs> you got it <laughs> um yeah i just found out on this trip that uh he's coming to minnesota for 
a weekend that we get to work with them. So, oh, how nice! So I'm I'm going to hopefully nice. work with with Andrew soon. So fantastic, and it's such a you know such a small community. You know, yet yeah, there's people all over the country, but everybody seems to know everybody eventually, and it's uh, it's been well, fantastic. I'm not so connected on the West Coast. Yeah, um, I I do know you know I do know Ryan Neal, and I do know uh, Michael Hagedorn, both yep. both of which I met here. Yeah, and uh, but um, you know for the most part my association is from the from the Mississippi or maybe a little further and, and, east and east yeah for sure so you just had a fabulous event and uh, it, it'd be a shame if we don't talk about it so so Jack Weichel and this legacy marathon you've been on uh, where do you want to start what it, and we talked about the word legacy a couple times today so yeah. where where is this all sitting with you here in Michigan and Jack and and what, what's important to know about this? this there are three uh, principal bonsai collections in in Michigan. Yep. There's one at the U of M Gardens at Mathai okay. uh, in Ann Arbor. Yep. Uh, there is one at Meyer Gardens here, mm -hmm. fairly new. Yeah. And there is one at Hidden Lake Gardens, which is a Michigan State facility in Tipton, Michigan, which is like in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and uh, uh, Jack Weichel was the original curator of that. There's a, uh, I gave you an article out of, uh, out of ABS. It talks a little bit about how he got there. and right. He was, I think, an education specialist and was interested in bonsai and asked if he could put a couple of his bonsai in the, in the greenhouse. And it evolved into a bonsai courtyard with a decent collection, mm -hmm. not all his. Yeah. And um, so 50 years later, he is mm -hmm. still the curator of this collection, and he just turned 90. So he's a mentor of mine, and I was sitting at his uh, dining room table. We were having lunch, and I, um, let me back up. Jack sold his collection of big trees okay. about 10 years ago, and he said, I, I'm, I'm doing it while I can. Yeah. But Jack grows little trees, and yeah. some species <laughs> that people would think needed, uh, needed dormancy right. that don't. Yeah, uh, aster, um, well, junipers for sure. Juni junipers, and he and he has, you know, he has terrific junipers. Yeah, um, and uh, it's just sort of amazing what he has, and he grows them under light in a basement, and they're like, whoa. So I said to him, you know, Jack, um, what would you like us to do with with the little trees when you're gone? Yeah. Because Jack's a real practical guy. He's not feeling like I'm being morbid. Right. <laughs> and 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 his response was. What do you think? And that started a dialogue that ended up in the Jack Weichel Bonsai Legacy auction and fundraiser. There, there are really two, two yeah. parts to this. Right. So um, this was about a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And um, we explored some things. By the way, he says this whole thing's my fault. <laughs> but, <laughs> he but, can thank you and he can blame yeah, you at the yeah, same time. Yeah, Jack doesn't blame anybody. So, and everybody knows Jack Weichel. He's been in the bonsai world, you know, 50 years. Yeah. And is very kind with his time. He's the oldest member of the Ann Arbor Bonsai Club, which is probably one of the premier in the country. I mean, they have a huge membership and they do great stuff. So um, we started talking and it evolved into... Um, we, I, I uh, suggested an auction pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I thought of bonsai auction, but that didn't work. Their format didn't, didn't work for us. And um, so fairly early on, he said, you know, I'd like to sell not only my trees, but my stuff. And I want to donate the proceeds, all of them, to something at Hidden Lake Gardens. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we had a loose group of people talking about this. He went to an attorney who took him to the Lenawee Community Foundation, and they're a 
community foundations in Michigan oversee money. Mm-hmm. You can do directed funds. We're a component fund of them. Okay. Uh, any donations are, are tax exempt. And, you know, we made some really good decisions early on. And uh, um, then he really looked to me to do the auction. Yeah, so, right. so, so I investigated, had really good recommendations, and we found an online auction platform that we could use that would allow us to do live and simulcast auctions. And that expands your, yeah. your, your, your base reach for sure. yeah. by a whole bunch. And, uh, you know, it culminated in this. Now, there's been a general appeal in the Boneside community among Jack's friends for donations to this fund as well. And uh, what we've said is everything goes toward maintaining the collection at Hidden Lake Gardens. Yeah. And, you know, so if we endow this thing, we need an awful lot of money to live off interest. Right. Um, so, so we do have some... Um, we do have some money. I'm not as big a part of that, although I'm on the steering committee. There are five of us that make decisions, and we can vote the money, and uh, with some advice from the community foundation. Sure. So, um, so the auction comes around. We we uh, we had some really good people. Uh, uh, Bob Bauer is one of our uh, one of our people. He's he's an Ann Arbor Boneside Club person. He he just put so much time in on the website and all of that sort of stuff. We decided to do some mini auctions leading up to the main event yeah. because Jack started looking in his attic and in his basement and he had way more stuff than he <laughs> thought he did. And 50 years worth of 50 years worth of stuff. So, um, so we did four mini auctions, one a week for four weeks leading up to the big auction. They were kind of designed as a teaser, but also because a lot of stuff we just had, we, just, we couldn't do it all one day. For sure. Um, and uh, so we did those. Uh, that raised about seven thousand dollars, and that was just amazing. Yeah. And then um, we did the uh, oh the day of the auction. We were afraid people were going to walk in and say, "Here, I want want to add this," and it, we can't. It's it's too involved. Yeah. Right. In, in order to get it on the live auction, which by the way lasted an hour longer than we had planned anyway. Okay. Yeah. We did a silent auction but you had to be there to participate in that. And that raised a couple thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And then um, the uh, main event, and we had, we had people all over the place. We had somebody monitoring online who, who worked with the auctioneer. Mm-hmm. We had somebody who was like our producer who controlled everything. Yeah. You know, we had somebody monitoring, Bob Bauer monitored back in the corner and I kept slipping back and looking at our total yeah. because it was, in real time or within okay. a couple seconds. We, sure. we knew exactly where we were. Absolutely. And um, we didn't really have a goal because we didn't have any clue what this would do. It was going to bring in. Yeah. In my mind, 25 grand was a big number. Yeah. Well, toward the very end of the auction, Bob motioned me over and we're at 28,000. And I said, we're going to hit 30. Um, you know, and we, we went back and forth. And every time we hit and we look what's, what's over here left to auction, it's like, man, I don't know. The very last item took us forty dollars over thirty thousand. And so you're up now over forty for all these things combined. Yeah, yeah. Now we now we have expenses from that. Yeah. But you know, I suspect we'll end up with thirty-five in the bank or, wow. or in the foundation, and that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Real. So yeah, do you have a you know 
clear idea like you know how is this legacy going to work then it's just no gonna, <laughs> <laughs> no how is it going to take care of these trees now and what what's going to be the future of this we have a meeting tonight we've we've been uh we've been big on zoom meetings yeah uh part of that is to accommodate me because i'm two and a half hours away yeah yeah but but people are scattered there's a lot of people yeah, for sure and uh tonight's meeting we're going to account for every penny yeah. and we're going to talk a little bit about the future and this this involves most of the people who were active in the auction yeah and then we're going to start meeting as a as a small group the yeah. people who actually decide and uh i don't think you'll you'll really get much um clarity or i won't get much clarity until we do that yeah that, that's sure. probably a month away yeah okay yeah we struggle with that as a club as people get older and Everybody these collections, like, what do you do? How do we how do we form a real, you know, clear cut, not too you know, discombobulated uh, legacy fund? And how do we how do we support the, the, yeah. the, the generations moving on and, and, and moving that stuff around and, and 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 keeping those those legacies alive? So, yeah, I mean, it um, West Michigan Club last night we uh, did a sign-all auction for the last of one of our members, a longtime member who passed away New Year's sure, Day. Yeah. And his family gave us everything. Okay. And they said before he died, Bob said, call Tim because... He'll help you take care of this. Yeah, it'll die otherwise. Right. Now, it was in the middle of the winter, so it was a little easier for us, but still. Sure. Um, and the, the club has raised a pretty decent amount of money. We're going to figure out something to do to honor him with some of that. Yeah. But... So it's... It, those kind of things, though, are, sounds like they're happening very organically, just in the moment, right? It, they, it they comes almost, up. They almost have to. Yeah, yeah. You know, I said to my wife, if I, if, uh, well, I, I have a pacemaker, and so when I got the pacemaker, you, you know, before I went under the knife, we did all kinds of things, and I said, you know, if I don't make it out of this, the first call is to somebody to water. <laughs> you know, <laughs> someone go water his trees. Yeah, and and I have friends who do that. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's a very serious thing yeah. unless you just want to let them fade away. And that's where I find the club for us, too, has been very supportive. And uh, some of the new folks coming through on the workshops. We just had a workshop a couple weekends ago, and, and, and I'm doing the workshops and leading those. And, and they've been very impressed with the volunteers and just the community sense that we have in this bonsai community. Yeah. It's like we, we take care of each other. So as stressful as it may be at times at someone's end of the road and what do we do with all this and you got to act now and it's hopefully going to happen but it people people step up when they yeah. have to seems, and it seems works. to work yeah, yeah so sure. one one thing i want to say about the the weichel fund yeah so so uh, saturday july 9th was jack's 90th birthday okay. and that was the day, that was of, the the day of the auction and uh we did it at hidden lake gardens and afterwards uh, I wasn't so involved in this, but they went to another building and the Ann Arbor Bonsai Society threw him a birthday party, which he knew about. Okay. And we got proclamations from the governor and from the U.S. senators. And I mean, it was, it was really fun. That's fabulous. But um, I and a few others stayed to make sure that people could pick up their stuff. And we, you know, we cleaned up the place. And yeah. it was amazing the, what the volunteers did for, for us, with us. It, that must have been, what a massive undertaking. You must be just... I was proud. Pretty, I mean, I was, pretty proud of what, what pretty, happened. I was pretty high for a week. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't imagine yeah. you wouldn't be. That that's. And 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 I'm quick to say. I said to my wife, you know, I see all these people with defined jobs, and they're sitting there doing them. And what am I doing? And she looked at me and goes, "Don't even go there. You know, <laughs> come on. You've done a lot. You've done a lot. Felt felt really good. Mm -hmm. 
We finished our discussion with Tim's tips for the newcomers to Bonsai. So someone new to Bonsai, give me, give me those Tim, those Tim tips, you know, those two, three things that, how can someone be successful in this really, I mean, the nuances of Bonsai are endless and, but how, how does someone really get into this at the entry level and have success, uh, find whether a, it's upper Midwest or not? Find, find classes and you can usually do that somewhere surrounding a club. Yeah. If you're in Grand Rapids, the Meyer Gardens offers classes both individually during the year and uh, we have two shows a, a year there and there, there are classes at each show. Yep. Um, same thing, I go to Chicago Bot Botanic Garden and still take a class with the guest master yeah. because it's cheap, you know, <laughs> 50 bucks and you get to spend four yeah. hours with somebody. That's awesome. And 10 of your best friends. Um, but you know, education, yeah. it's important. And I'd find a mentor. Yeah. And you can't do that immediately. Yeah. You got to kind of sit back and watch and see what's happening. Yeah. I first met Jack Weichel at the at the uh, uh, Michigan Allstate show, and I'd heard of him. Uh -huh. He's sort of legendary around here, but you meet him, and he's not legendary at all, man. He's just a guy, and he'll Jack. talk to you and do and answer your questions and help you. So I uh, I had this uh, Fuki and T that I thought was just really cool, and I entered it in the show, and uh, I went over kind of happily and said, Jack, can you, I'd met him earlier in the day, can you give me a little critique of this? And we walked over and he turned it around and said, I like it better that way. <laughs> <laughs> and, he's, and he was right. Sure. You sure. know, but again, all these decisions are subjective. They are. Uh, and, uh, they are. and he said, you might like it the other way. And I looked at it a little bit and I thought, I'm not going to turn this back around, man. He just improved my tree. He just, he just made it tenfold better. Any other thoughts or tidbits on Bonsai and the journey and, and what it means to you or just kind of where There's you think There's a couple things I'd like there. to say. Yeah. Guard your trees. There's yeah. thieves everywhere. We had a problem with that last year. Well, everybody at some point or another. And I heard this the first year I was in Bonsai and thought, ah. Eh. And I had, I lived in a house that was very visible across from a, from a, from a school and a lot of kids came mm -hmm. up and down the street mm -hmm. and they go over there and play basketball and one night a Bonsai disappeared off a uh, off a windowsill oh. and you know my son and I both said it'll be dead in a couple of days and that's the way it is yeah so then I used a cable system and cabled them all down and I hated it yeah and now I have a backyard that may be pretty nice but if you notice my front yard's just pretty mediocre pretty mediocre <laughs> you know it doesn't signal anything you don't want to attract attention we're gonna have a sale here mm -hmm. Tim Priest a good friend of mine okay who has pretty fabulous bonsai too yeah. Uh, he and I are going to have a sale here, and we've advertised it, but no address. You have to, you have to, you have to contact us for an address, yeah. and then we'll know who you are. Yeah, yeah. We we have a tour every year, and we we grapple with that. And yeah. it's like it's invite only, and yeah. it's club members only supposed to be right. Yeah. And because and, and they're going to be walking through five members' homes yeah. to look at trees. Well, wonderful. We have a beautiful backyard. I love the pond. I love the trees. And uh, I just can't thank you enough for your time. Well, I'm, I'm glad you came. Yeah. Um, and and this, is, this has been a really interesting week. I get a text last night uh, from somebody in uh, the Ann Arbor area. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jack Sustic, who I'm working with now, um, was here yesterday. And he said, do you mind if I give your, your name to somebody? He's a, he's a good friend. And He's really going to be in West Michigan this weekend and would like to look at a couple gardens. So I get a note from him and he says, uh, uh, can we talk? And I know what he's interested in, of course. And yeah. So maybe this weekend we're going to do, maybe not a podcast, but there you go. 
Fantastic. It's awesome. fun to show them off. You know, anybody who will spend an hour or two talking bonsai, I'm all there. So. Yeah, we're crazy. So it's awesome. We're all crazy. We are just a little bit of crazy. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're Stay welcome. cool. You're welcome. Many thanks again to Tim Cox of the West Michigan Bonsai Society for taking the time to talk with me. I truly appreciated our chance to talk bonsai. That does it for another edition of Up North Bonsai. Take care of you, take care of your bonsai, and we'll head up north to talk bonsai again very soon.